Today is February 2nd. This is Versus and Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am so grateful and still thrilled that I get to do this with you, that we get to do this together to embark on this year-long journey where we're discovering deeper truths about the Bible and about ourselves, where we're growing in our faith and our focus, forging new paths and framing new possibilities in our quest to become the best version of ourselves. Today, we prepare for our 40-year sojourn with the Israelites, beginning in Exodus 15. And let me give you a heads up now, since we'll be with them for quite a while, They are definitely not the most pleasant people to travel with, and from time to time, we may even scratch our heads as to why God would choose these people as his chosen people, because one thing for certain, they are some special people. But that's part of the beauty of taking this journey with them through their repeated mistakes, their testing, and sometimes outright rebellion, If we're being attentive and attuned to what's happening, we learn just how much God loves us and how devoted he is to us, even when our behavior is far from perfect. The Israelites are often discouraged, doubtful, disobedient, and downright grumpy, but they persevere. They do not give up and they learn many lessons along the way that we can apply to our lives today. So let's lean in to our time with God, open ourselves up to his abundance, his overflow, and his love, and take this time to flow into this word as this word flows into us. Exodus chapter 15, verse 19, through chapter 17, verse 7. God's Word Translation. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and cavalry went into the sea, the Lord made the water of the sea flow back over them. However, the Israelites had gone through the sea on dry ground. The Song of Miriam Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand. All the women dancing with tambourines followed her. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, He has won a glorious victory. He has thrown horses and their riders into the sea. God provides water for the Israelites. Moses led Israel away from the Red Sea into the desert of Shur. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they couldn't drink the water because it tasted bitter. That's why the place was called Marah bitter place. The people complained about Moses by asking, what are we supposed to drink? Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became sweet. Then the Lord set down laws and rules for them to live by and there he tested them. He said, if you will listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what he considers right, If you pay attention to his commands and obey all his laws, I will never make you suffer any of the diseases I made the Egyptians suffer, because I am the Lord who heals you. Next, they went to Elam, 
where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there by the water. The Lord provides manna and quails for the Israelites to eat. The whole community of Israelites moved from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. This was on the 15th day of the second month after they had left Egypt. In the desert, the whole community complained about Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only the Lord had let us die in Egypt. There we sat by our pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. You brought us out into this desert to let us all starve to death. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to send you food from heaven like rain. Each day, the people should go out and gather only what they need for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. But on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring home, it should be twice as much they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard you complaining about him. Why are you complaining about us? Moses also said, The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and all the food you want in the morning. The Lord has heard you complaining about him. Who are we? You're not complaining about us, but about the Lord. Moses said to Aaron, Tell the whole community of Israelites, Come into the Lord's presence. He has heard you complaining. While Aaron was speaking to the whole community of Israelites, they looked toward the desert. Suddenly they saw the glory of the Lord in the column of smoke. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the Israelites complaining. Tell them, at dusk you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat all the food you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quails came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, the ground was covered with a thin layer of flakes like frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they asked each other, What is this? Because they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, It's the food the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each of you should gather as much as you can eat. Take two quarts for each person in your tent. So that is what the Israelites did. Some gathered more, some less. They measured it into two quart containers. Those who had gathered more didn't have too much. Those who had gathered less didn't have too little. They gathered as much as they could eat. Then Moses said to them, No one may keep any of it till morning. But some of them didn't listen to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, and it was full of worms and smelled bad. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, they gathered as much food as they could eat. When the sun was hot, it melted away. But on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much food, four quarts per person. All the leaders of the community came to Moses and told him about it. 
he said to them, This is what the Lord said. Tomorrow is a day of rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save all that's left over and keep it until tomorrow morning. So they saved it until the next morning as Moses had commanded. But it didn't smell or have worms in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a day of rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. You won't find anything on the ground today. You can gather food on six days, but on the seventh day, the day of rest, you won't find any. On the seventh day, some people went out to gather food, but they didn't find any. The Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to do what I have commanded and instructed you to do? Remember, the Lord has given you this day of rest as a holy day. That's why he gives you enough food on the sixth day for two days. On the seventh day, stay in your place. No one is to go out. Everyone stay where you are. So the people never worked on the seventh day of the week. The Israelites called the food manna. It was like coriander seeds. It was white and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take two quarts of manna to be kept for your descendants. This way they will see the food that I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar, put two quarts of manna in it, and put it in the Lord's presence to be kept for your descendants. Aaron put the jar of manna in front of the words of God's promise to be kept there, as the Lord commanded Moses. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a place to settle. They ate manna until they came to the border of Canaan. Now the standard dry measure at that time held 20 quarts. The Lord provides water for the Israelites from a rock. The whole community of Israelites left the desert of sin and traveled from place to place as the Lord commanded them. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they complained to Moses by saying, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why are you complaining to me? Why are you testing the Lord? But the people were thirsty for water there. They complained to Moses and asked, Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Was it to make us, our children, and our livestock die of thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Bring some of the leaders of Israel with you and go to where the people can see you. Take the staff you used to strike the Nile River. I'll be standing in front of you there by a rock at Mount Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. Moses did this while the leaders of Israel watched him. He named that place Massa, testing, and Meribah, complaining, because the Israelites complained and because they tested the Lord asking, is the Lord with us or not? Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 33, a story about a wedding reception.
Again, Jesus used stories as illustrations when he spoke to them. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who planned a wedding for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the wedding, but they refused to come. He sent other servants to tell the people who had been invited, I've prepared dinner. My bulls and fattened calves have been butchered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding. But they paid no attention and went away. Some went to work in their own fields, and others went to their businesses. The rest grabbed the king's servants, mistreated them, and then killed them. The king became angry. He sent his soldiers, killed those murderers, and burned their city. Then the king said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited don't deserve the honor. Go where the roads leave the city. Invite everyone you find to the wedding. The servants went into the streets and brought in all the good people and all the evil people they found, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. When the king came to see the guests, he saw a person who was not dressed in the wedding clothes provided for the guests. He said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without proper wedding clothes? The man had nothing to say. Then the king told his servants, Tie his hands and feet and throw him outside into the darkness. People will cry and be in extreme pain there. Therefore, many are invited, but few of those are chosen to stay. A question about taxes. Then the Pharisees went away and planned to trap Jesus into saying the wrong thing. They sent their disciples to him along with Herod's followers. They said to him, Teacher, we know that you tell the truth and that you teach the truth about the way of God. You don't favor individuals because of who they are. So tell us what you think. Is it right to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Jesus recognized their evil plan, so he asked, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me a coin used to pay taxes. They brought him a coin. He said to them, Whose face and name is this? They replied, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Very well, give the emperor what belongs to the emperor, and give God what belongs to God. They were surprised to hear this. Then they left him alone and went away. The dead come back to life. On that day, some Sadducees, who say that people will never come back to life, came to Jesus. They asked him, Teacher, Moses said if a man dies childless, his brother should marry his widow and have children for his brother. There were seven brothers among us. The first married and died. Since he had no children, he left his widow to his brother. The second brother also died, as well as the third and the rest of the seven brothers. At last, the woman died. Now when the dead come back to life, whose wife will she be? All seven brothers had been married to her. Jesus answered, You're mistaken because you don't know the scriptures or God's power. When people come back to life, they don't marry. Rather, they are like the angels in heaven. Haven't you read what God told you about the dead coming back to life? 
He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. He amazed the crowds who heard his teaching. Psalm 27 verses 1 through 6 by David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who is there to fear? The Lord is my life's fortress. Who is there to be afraid of? Evil doers closed in on me to tear me to pieces. My opponents and enemies stumbled and fell. Even though an army sets up camp against me, my heart will not be afraid. Even though a war breaks out against me, I will still have confidence in the Lord. I have asked one thing from the Lord. This I will seek, to remain in the Lord's house all the days of my life, in order to gaze at the Lord's beauty and to search for an answer in His temple. He hides me in His shelter when there is trouble. He keeps me hidden in His tent. He sets me high on a rock. Now my head will be raised above my enemies who surround me. I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy in his tent. I will sing and make music to praise the Lord. Proverbs 6 verses 20 through 26. More advice about avoiding adultery. My son, obey the command of your father. And do not disregard the teachings of your mother. Fasten them on your heart forever. Hang them around your neck. When you walk around, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you wake up, they will talk to you. Because the command is a lamp, the teachings are a light, and the warnings from discipline are the path of life. To keep you from an evil woman and from the smooth talk of a loose woman, do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her catch you with her eyes. A prostitute's price is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts for your life itself. So in the Old Testament today, first, I want to talk about Miriam. And not only her dancing and tambourine playing, which gave me life, but the Bible calls her Prophetess Miriam. She was the first woman identified in scripture this way. Later in the book of Micah, he says that it was Miriam and her brothers, Moses and Aaron, who redeemed the Israelites from the land of slavery. Message, even back then, women were being used by God in powerful ways, and they played significant roles in his plan. Church, come on now, what do we do with this? I'm not a scholar, theologian, not even a preacher, and yet even I can see how God empowered women back then and how God is still empowering women today to rise up and make an impact in his kingdom. So maybe it's time for us to stop buying into this misconception that women are somehow less than men and start believing the truth that women are just as capable to be used in God's service as men. That's not even where I plan to park, but I did want to point that out. Oh, now I do have to say one other thing about Miriam that I really wish I didn't have to say, but we are going to see it later, so I might as well 
tell you guys now. Miriam had a little Karen in her. She and her brother Aaron came for Moses about marrying an Ethiopian woman, a black woman, sure did, spoke against him and criticized him. Oh, but they didn't stop there. No, they went on. And does God only speak to Moses? Does he not speak to us too? And the Bible says shortly thereafter, God gave Miriam leprosy. She had to be in quarantine and everything. And it was Moses' pleas that saved her behind. But we'll get to that story soon enough. Miriam is cool. She just got caught up for a minute. Also today, we got a glimpse of the temperament of God's chosen people. Now, to their credit, the first time we see them complain today, it was after a three-day trek through the desert without water. They had finally gotten to an oasis, completely parched, only to realize they couldn't even drink the water. I think it's fair to say that after three days traipsing through the desert with nothing to drink, we too might be a bit cranky. Now, cranky or not, I might also be a bit careful with my complaining considering what I just saw the Lord do to a whole army with just the sea alone just three days ago. But I mean, that's me, a few millennia into the future, so, you know. They were bold, though. They had some boldness because they let it be known that they were not happy. They complained about the water not being drinkable. Moses cries out to God, and God tells Moses, take that piece of wood over there, toss it in, and you'll be good. Moses did, and the water became drinkable. And then, at the end of verse 25 into verse 26, God gives a major key. It says, There the Lord set down laws and rules for them to live by, and there he tested them. He said, If you will listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what he considers right, if you pay attention to his commands and obey all his laws, I will never make you suffer any of the diseases I made the Egyptians suffer because I am the Lord who heals you. He tested them. And the test was based on material evidence that they had covered not even a week before. He showed them that he had the power to free, protect, and deliver them. What more do you need God to do before you recognize that you have nothing to be worried about, let alone complain about? And yet, they get to the water that's not drinkable, and they fail the test. They immediately start complaining. They would rather complain than count on God to come through. Now, they don't realize it at this point, but when God tells them that if they pay attention and obey his laws and commands, he won't make them suffer from the diseases the Egyptians dealt with, he was trying to let them know what they needed to do to stay healthy, physically, morally, and spiritually. We haven't gotten into all the laws yet, but this is a foreshadowing of what's to come. He wasn't telling them that they wouldn't get old and die, but some sicknesses were preventable and avoidable. For example, the New Living Translation points out that he later told them to stay away from prostitutes. Well, fooling with these kinds of workers can make you physically sick in certain areas of your body. And when you're physically sick, it often affects your mental health. Your mental health can then affect your emotional health. 
All of these areas of our being are intertwined. We know that now, thanks to modern medicine, God was trying to tell them back then. And sometimes it can be our own sin that causes suffering, physical, mental, and emotional. Because like the Egyptians, we might be living in opposition to God's will, which opens us up to all kinds of adversity. We see what happened to Miriam when she started criticizing Moses and talking smart about God speaks to them too. If we want God to care for us, we might want to do the obvious things like take care of ourselves, honor his will and his word so that when we do succumb to some sickness, we can pray that scripture with confidence. You are the Lord who heals us. And speaking of taking care of ourselves, I thought it was so interesting that God commanded them to rest. It was to be his day, that seventh day, set aside for him, but also a day for them to relax, to reset, to be refreshed. He didn't want them going out gathering food or doing any kind of work. They spent six days involved in some kind of physicality. They needed their rest. As busy parents, partners, and professionals, We can be very stubborn about this, but rest, I think I said this before, it is also a gift from God. How ungrateful of us to not take it. We are so bent on meeting our own needs and our own strength, but maybe we should take a step back and ask God to help us practice some self-care and just stop and rest. I think we sometimes fail to recognize the importance or maybe the privilege of letting God carry the load for us. I know I'm guilty, but I do want to get better and really try to learn what that looks like in practice. It is clear that God cares for us in every way. If we open ourselves to his care, if we follow his instructions, if we rest and guard our time with him carefully, we can be confident that he won't let us fall. And that's often the reason why we keep going and going and going and refusing to rest because we think that if we don't stay busy, something is going to fall. We can be confident that he won't let us fall if we turn it over to him. And then we see the Israelites start complaining again when they don't know where the food is going to come from. These Hebrews actually start talking about all the meat and bread that they had in Egypt when they were slaves. Despite all they had endured, the Israelites began to long for their days back in Egypt. This longing for a return to Egypt is a classic case of romanticizing the past, and we all tend to do it from time to time. They had gotten caught up in the illusion of the past as a simpler time, but this was nothing but a devilish deception, a mirage out there in the desert to fool them into complaining and make them forget how much they truly struggled and suffered in the past. The present may not be what we imagined it would be, but we have to be careful not to be deluded or distracted by momentary despair. Sometimes the reality of the present is hard. That's why God is not just a God who rescues us from the past, but a God who stands with us in the present and takes us into the future. 
He has done for us what we can't do for ourselves, and He will continue to do so. But trusting Him is the only way to truly move forward. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your loving care and your attention to our every need. Help us to open ourselves to your will and your care. Show us how to practice self-care and how to protect our time with you carefully. Give us wisdom to protect our rest time so that we can be refreshed, renewed, and ready for whatever life brings. Help us to make wise decisions and a trust in you even when we don't understand your plans. Give us the courage to take risks and to be bold in our faith and to have faith that you will provide all that we need. Help us to remember that you are always with us and that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Grant us the courage and faith to lean into you for help when we need it and stop thinking that we can do it all on our own or in our own strength. Help us to truly trust you with all of our heart. Lord, we pray for unwavering faith no matter what we are facing. We give all our worries over to you and trust that you will take care of it all. We pray that you would give us just the wisdom to take a few minutes out of our busy days to pause and just breathe in your presence so we do not lose our way. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you didn't know, that sweet manna God provided from heaven each day for the Israelites to keep them from starving, that was Jesus making another symbolic appearance. And just as that manna kept them from dying, God sent Jesus from heaven to us so that we could experience eternal living. And he is our daily bread too. And our affirmation, I will not be anxious about the future because whatever I need, God will provide. I will not be anxious about the future because whatever I need, God will provide. And our aphorism, prayer without work is beggary. Work without prayer is slavery. That's all I have for you today. Thank you again for joining me on this adventure. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.